Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today as usual. We have our Evening with Medium events coming up in April, August, and December of this year. All tickets are on sale at the website by sarlow.com and April is going fast. Mm-hmm. It is. It's over half sold out already. Which is always exciting to hear. Mm-hmm. We do have an extra Evening with Medium events which is actually going to be an afternoon on March 8th. It's International Women's Day. We've been invited to be the quote-unquote main event from 1.30 to 3.30. That's being held at the Grand Event Center here in North Bay. If you want your tickets, you do have to call the Crisis Center to reserve. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. It's available on the website by sarlo.com. This is for your emotional and spiritual intelligence, so your SQ and your EQ. It's there in 10-minute shows. They're grouped in five. They run the first week of every month, Monday to Friday, and they're free. If you would like to sip on coffee or tea while you're listening to either one of our podcasts, we do sell mugs. They're on the website by sarlo.com with both of our podcast logos. And they're only $15 for a mug. And last but not least, we have gift certificates and personal sessions for sale. You can purchase and receive your session from anywhere in the world via Skype, FaceTime, or telephone. And to get a gift certificate with either Kelly or I, you can call us directly. The information's on the website. Or you can fill out a request for information that's on the website, and we will get a hold of you to process that. So, on to today's show. Our intention is actually to do a three-part series talking about growing up and specifically it kind of stemmed from Karen you've been watching Everyman yeah the Everyman podcast Mm -hmm. and uh, really taking a liking to that Mm -hmm. he is setting out I guess with an intention very very similar to ours to bring toolboxes to men who need to grow in emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And so we're hoping very much to be able to do a crossover with him at some point. Um, But prime listeners first. Mm -hmm. He talks about how the Me Too movement has called forth the whole situation where men are repressing their feelings. Have been, I think what he's trying to say and what many people are noticing is that since maybe the beginning of time, men can't express how they feel. And as a result, over decades and centuries of this, that we have hit a mass critical crisis yes, on this planet. It's all coming out in aggression and assault. That's right. And it's co- well, when you and say... And suicides. Yes, I was just going... You took the words out of my mouth. Okay. So there are these acts against other humans, meaning women on the planet, against children against nature, against the planet itself, and against men themselves, meaning, as you said, suicide. And because we are at this crisis, you're seeing someone like Dan, who has the Everyman podcast show, and the Everyman groups, where he's trying to help men address what they feel, verbalize it, talk it out, share it. That's really what the group is about. It's about talking, feeling, and sharing. Well, and ultimately breaking the cycle of abuse. That's what he's hoping for, that if men can actually feel their feelings and have a safe place to feel them, which he thinks basically is with other men, so that they can share that and not be shamed by each other, 
and just process the feeling or just feel it, that that may be a good enough step to start the change in a movement. And the movement meaning that men have to grow the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Because the devastation that they're causing all over this planet literally is the life and death of our planet. Yep. So repression, the, the, the very core of it, meaning how did this occur that men aren't allowed to feel? And of course, Kelly, I think, well, we all think and know a lot of it has to do with the fact that they shame each other. Mm -hmm. That's one of the biggest things. So, and it brings to mind a, a client that I've had just recently that I spoke to you about because it was so huge when he sat there in front of me and said, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what I feel. I don't know what I think. I don't know. And I don't know where this began. So a complete disconnect. He was like a 100% disconnect. Every word he said was slow and measured. Just it was unbelievable control. So he had to have control over his words and his thoughts to make sure that every feeling wasn't felt second by second. It was it's it was absolutely exhausting being him or being anywhere near him. So when we went back into his past, Kelly, his dad was exactly the same. And I don't think anybody's shocked to hear that. No. As soon as I started to describe him, I'm sure most people said, well, I wonder which parent was. And I'll bet you many people made the assumption it was already the dad that didn't feel anything. And he, he said to me in that session, my purpose as a father of two daughters is to make sure that they do not feel anything. That's horrifying. Yeah. And his wife was sitting right beside him. She's just listening. There was no, I don't think that's wrong. There was no, oh, I think I better get out of here. There was nothing other than how do I support him? How do I help this happen? Okay. I'll let you continue. Well, and I think people might be sitting down with their cup of coffee right now, spitting it out. Hope so. Going, what the hell is this all about? What is wrong with her? She should know better. But she comes from the same type of parenting. Right. She comes from the mom who had a partner just like that. But the mom has to sit there and feel for everybody and fix everything. So she's in overload. So she cried through the whole session. And he would sit and look at her and say, I don't know what she's crying about. I don't know why there are tears. I don't understand this. Can somebody help me understand why she's doing this? Truly, truly confounded, really, really didn't understand. And so we go right back to his childhood, where his own father is determined not to feel anything and to make sure that his son feels nothing too. So then it's like, I'm really curious about that. How does that happen? How do you make sure nobody's going to feel anything? How do you, how do you drive feelings out of a human being? I don't know how you drive feelings out of an animal, out of a cat, out of a dog. I don't know how you drive it out of anything that's alive. Or I just don't even understand that as a goal of a human experience. Yeah, because, and I don't mean this to be humorous, but 
the irony is that apathy is a feeling. Mm-hmm. And what you're essentially trying to get to is so that they don't have a reaction to any emotion that they experience. And so apathy becomes your life. Yes. But again, that's a feeling. <laughs> but he wouldn't classify that as one. Well, no, because it doesn't fit. And this is something that we've talked about before. It doesn't fit in happy, sad, or angry. And that's where a lot of people with zero emotional intelligence think that they understand emotions. So I'm seeing, Kelly, that in some instances, families themselves create this disconnect for men. It is right within the parenting of the child that they don't want the male child to feel things. The daughter can cry. The daughter can have her her emotions, her sadness, and express. She might be able to express them through tears, through facial expressions, through body language, um, through her actions through her moods, um, behaviors. But it seems that the boys aren't allowed to express that. They seem to be disciplined for it, made fun of, and shamed. And I think it's important for us to talk about what we do to suppress those feelings. Because if you don't realize that you're actually doing them, then you just do them and you just get away with it. And then you ignore the fact that you've created this. I liken it to when a group of people are together uh, in a social event. And if guys have feelings in a social event, if someone is at a wedding and cries, it's almost like some of the other men are uncomfortable for them. It's like they may look down or look away. And or made fun of. If somebody and, and say things like you're a sissy say derogatory things. And we we know what those derogatory words are. I don't want to use them myself, but they make fun of the person so that they feel a sense of shame to have the feeling. So it gets complicated because now in the future as an adult or a teenager, and they want to have a regular healthy feeling, it's accompanied by shame. And what we need to do is to be able to say to the adult, meaning to our own inner child, it's okay. It's okay for me to be sad. It's okay for me to cry. I don't need to feel shame with it. That's something that my parents or my friends did earlier in my life, but I'm not going to continue to allow myself to feel. So we have to have a level of awareness around that for ourselves. I'm talking about if you're listening to this show you have to do this for yourself. And if you're listening to the show and you do this to someone else, whether they're a child, male, a teenager, an adult, an old man, it makes no difference around their age. You have to be aware that if you're shaming them, if you're teasing them, even if it's playful teasing, you're still shaming them. Some people think if I tease and, but I, and I just laugh it off, that I can get away with it. You're still shaming. You can't control how that man or boy receives that information. You might laugh it off and walk away and think nothing of it. And they may feel the impact of that shame. And unless you're checking in and saying, Hey, are you okay with that? You do not know. Meaning are you okay with that joke? Yeah, yeah, that's just where my head went because I know like in, in our partnership, we'll tease about what we feel and we'll laugh and then we'll say, 
but I understand why you're sad. There's always a follow-up comment of, but I understand why you feel that way. Or was that an okay joke? Okay, I love that you're adding that, that you can do it as long as you're checking in afterwards Mm -hmm. that the person isn't actually shamed. Yeah, no, there's an honest moment afterwards where we can actually just sit in the feeling. And that requires that check-in. And and that's good if you have that level in your relationship with anybody to do it. But boy, oh boy, if you're teasing somebody at work, for example, and you don't come back later and do your check-in, it slips your mind, you go home, life goes on. If you're not showing up at work the next day and not following up on that and saying, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, I teased you yesterday. If that person says, oh, I'm glad you checked in. I actually felt bad about that last night. That's again where that that man damage is done. That's right. And that's why I'm saying if you aren't accountable to your teasing comments, don't do it. Just don't. Because there are other options. You could do so many other things. You don't have to tease that way. So we're talking about repression happening in the family. Yep. Where And that's kind of a chicken or egg story, right? Because the father or the mother typically are the one to, to push this belief system on the young man mm-hmm. or the, the child. And then it cycles. Right. Unless for some miraculous reason, this young boy turned into a man corrects it. Right. Yeah, and that's where we really have to say today that we're seeing so many younger men, and I'll say that meaning of any age, where they are correcting these behaviors now. Mm -hmm. So, okay, but just to recap, we've talked about the family. You're also talking about workplace harassment is actually what it is. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about perpetuating a belief system about what a man is supposed to be or how they're supposed to behave. Now, where else do we see this? Let's talk more. I said to Kelly in friend groups where men are, are uh, ridiculed, put down, made fun of, picked on, shamed, bullied. There's a variety of words and situations, Mm -hmm. but I think one of the biggest groups that do it are friend groups. Yeah. And sports teams. Oh, I like that. That's very true. And then we could also throw in TV and how movies and TVs do it as well. Mm -hmm. And if you're sitting in a theater where that's occurring, I know my response is to get up and walk out because I don't give a shit. I don't care about how much money I've spent to go to a movie. I'm not the type that has to sit there to the end because I paid for it. If the messages are not in alignment, I'm out. I would rather turn the TV off. Well, you know, listeners already know I don't like much in the movie industry. I thought you were going to say I like much. No. 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 You're talking about a harmful message. Yeah. That you don't need to sit through it, be attached to it. Yeah. That you can just get up and go. That's right. That you'd rather spend your time in a different way. Kelly, I've brought this up in other podcasts about hockey. Mm-hmm. I've brought this up before. Roller skating. Roller derby. <laughs> but I've brought this up in sports where it is completely acceptable to detach and disconnect. Mm-hmm. Where parents are screaming at kids on the ice to pound the shit out of another kid mm-hmm. where they want them to hurt them. They want them to rip off the helmet and punch and punch. They want to fight. They scream for the fight. They don't think about the kid actually being hurt. They don't think about the long-term effect of pain. Nothing. Nothing. It, it's, it's absolutely, to me, it's just barbaric. It's a lack of 
the adults present being grown-ups. It, it really is. And I think sports can offer skill. I don't think they have to actually offer that type of entertainment. Yeah, so let's let's just pause for a second because I know if there are listeners who are not used to our show and maybe this is just kind of their intro to it, they might be thinking about how much we're harping on it and taking mm-hmm. away a big source of their entertainment or their fun. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about what the actual physical pain causes in terms of mental and emotional pain because that's what we're trying to get across. And that is worth, right? So when you think that hitting is part of a game or that hitting is an acceptable game, period, boxing, whatever, you're actually encouraging someone to have their worth stripped from them if they are not quote unquote winning. Mm -hmm. I'm not strong enough. I'm not strategic enough. I'm not big enough. Whatever those enough words are, the worth goes out the window with it. Mm-hmm. When I think about a fist fight in a hockey game, I think it's outside of the game. Yes, I think that's a great way to describe it. Okay. The puck's not involved. That's right. Your team isn't involved. Um, the idea of getting the puck into a goal net with skill is gone. Did you just call it a goal net? Oh, I did. I think you might have lost credibility here. <laughs> Yes, I would have at that moment. <laughs> Let's just say she's good at other things. Okay. No, I'm I'm with you. It is outside of the game. Because yeah. now it's about ego. It's about two people who got tied up in unhealthy emotions yeah. that had nothing to do with the game. It's also discrediting the, uh, the system that's put in place to rule the game. Yeah. So you're saying the referees aren't doing their job. Right. And I mean, we've all been to the games where that can be true. However, they got fixated on that and yeah. took it upon themselves to fix it themselves. Yes. It's even outside of what the coaches were supposed to do, mm-hmm. which was to teach them to put the puck into the net with skill. Oh, she got that one right. Right? Yes. Okay. So I'm saying that the, that the fight itself is outside of the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying at that point that the crowd has to disconnect in order to want people to hurt each other. Yes. Because those are two human beings that have to get off that ice with pain. Mm-hmm. Physical pain and emotional pain. Yep. And nobody else can give a shit. Mm-hmm. Their team shouldn't be giving a shit. The coaches can't. Nobody can. Not even the paramedics can. Because the audience just wants the fight. And that's what I don't understand. We put that on, and I'll say men to a great degree, because we typically see on TV, mostly speaking, men playing hockey. We don't see on a regular basis women's teams. Right. We don't. The NHL does not have women's teams. So I'm saying in this particular instance or this example, where we encourage the disconnection of the male and we discourage it within the team members themselves, but also the audience. If I'm that kid on the ice and the whole crowd is screaming for the other kid to hit me in the face, I can't yeah. believe anybody in that audience is connected to me, mm-hmm. cares about me. Yeah. And how does that snowball then into your worth involved in the game? When you have a whole stadium cheering against you. Yeah. To have you physically hurt or p- 
put in your place. Yeah. Or, or cheering when, when you lose your tooth or whatever it is that occurs in, in that situation where you're getting pounded. So there's an example in male sports where males are encouraged to disconnect from each other and where they see that it's okay for everybody around you to disconnect from you as well. And what we're trying to say is we have to find healthier ways to come outside of that. This is a big one. I think it's very tough because it's become so acceptable to have that as part of that sport. And to change that is going to require the system itself that is all men. I think at least as far as I know, hockey is all men, even in their administration and their rules and everything, where they're going to have to look at things like that in society and decide do we change something like that? Do we change the rules? Oh, I think so far that's been one of the, one of, let's say before I continue, one of the fears if they let women in, right? When we're talking about equality and allowing men and women to play together or coach or infiltrate, we'll say, well, then to what degree do we have to care and take care of one another? Yeah. Oh, that's beautifully said, Kelly. Mm -hmm. And I know we're not going to go into it for several reasons, but military. We, We literally have nations built on military to fight one another based on ego and power. Mm-hmm. And it's the biggest form of dis- of disconnection in a country, but we label it patriotism. Yeah. I, yeah. I think about, I have several friends who have gone through police training, family members, and I remember them telling me that part of basic training is that you have to get pepper sprayed. And I remember asking why, like what the whole purpose was, and they said, because when you feel it yourself, you think twice about aiming it at someone else. Mm. I was not anticipating an empathy position. Yeah, that's important. I think that's really good that people hear that because sometimes when we're looking in the news and we hear that it's been used, mm-hmm. if we don't know any better, we might think those officers just do it randomly because they're angry people. Yeah. Instead and- of understanding they're very trained and they're they're empathic about it. Mm-hmm. I was really thinking that it was more of a like a skills training so that they could persist through it if they got pepper sprayed themselves. Mm-hmm. And it is a component. But every time I've asked someone about their experience, they have said, I think twice before I use it. Right. Well, I think that that's a really good analogy, Kelly, that if you think it in terms of hockey, how would everybody in the audience like it if they had to be called out brought down to the ice and have somebody bigger than them beat the shit out of them while the whole stadium of thousands of people's cheered them on. Yeah, just line up one by one, see how it feels. How about if you had to get shot in the shoulder in military training? Okay, I was going to say, that's a hockey game? No, (laughs) this escalated. No, how about if you had to get shot in the shoulder during military training and then you were thrown in and said, yep, you're going to shoot at kids, women, children, civilians. Yeah. I Well, I think this whole topic of repressing feelings is so huge. And it has to be tackled in every tiny instance that we can. And I brought up hockey because it's a bigger one in the sense of we can't affect the NHL, maybe. Um, except maybe if we just don't buy a ticket and don't go to the game. Well, maybe they'll fine us for the podcast. But 
I mean in the sense that if you're a coach listening to this, I'm saying in the sense that if you're just in a regular little city or community and you just have high school hockey or it's the peewee team and you teach them something, I'm I'm just saying it's got to start really that maybe is hockey and stuff like that really about skill. Mm-hmm. And if we put the skill back in, would it actually be easier that that is one of the places where we could get back our connectivity? Yeah, so let's let's pull out of the example of hockey and bring this back to the workplace. Okay. Because for some non-athletic people, they've tuned out. So if we're talking about teaching them skill, coaching them an actual skill, that in the real world is going to be communication. Mm-hmm. That is going to be how you handle yourself in conversation when you are articulating what you feel and what you're experiencing and you're able to be a good listener. Now, we are going to talk about in hopefully part three of this confrontation. Yep. We're going to talk about communication skills and what you can do, but that would be the strategy. Right. And to me, that's class. That is growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need that in every single person. I think this idea of each man having to grow up or and each woman being part of it means that both sexes have to increase those toolkits. Yes. Okay. So if we're talking about where repression comes from or where it's perpetuated, can we now go back and talk about what repression looks like? We've talked about where, now we're talking about what. So if you are someone who's listening going, well, I don't know if I've repressed my feelings, what does it look like in your own life? Okay. Well, I know that if I've repressed some of my feelings, I just don't want to listen to you. I'm just going to tune you out. So how about tuning you out? So how many people sit down and someone else is explaining their feelings or we're in a situation or a conversation and I... I'm going to feel something. I might be mad at you. I might not like what you're asking me to do. You might want me to pick up my clothes and I don't want to do that. So I might be annoyed with my own behavior and now you're pointing it out to me, but I'm going to project it on you because you're now mothering me. This is escalating. Yeah, this just went into a ton of issues. Yeah, wait. But now what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ignore you. So instead of feeling all my feelings, I'm going to play a video game. Instead of feeling all my feelings, I'm going to turn up the music. I'm going to go outside. So what I can do, when you ask that question, Kelly, I think of some of the things that people do in repression, I ignore. Okay, yeah, let's go back into your great example, because what it looks like in your life is not listening. That's where we started. Right. Then it became, not only am I going to ignore you, I'm going to engage elsewhere. Yeah. Without you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to divert my attention someplace else. Yes. Now, the key thing that I love that you said that people certainly need to hear is, I'm annoyed at my own behavior, which was originally not picking up after myself. Right. You pointed it out to me, which allowed me to evaluate my feelings, technically. In a split second. But I didn't want to. Because I don't like my behavior. Because that means I might feel shame about my shitty behavior. That's where repression happens. That's right. So first you have an opportunity to feel. First and foremost, you always have an opportunity to feel. But I want to rush through it. And then repression happens and it looks like all the things we've just talked about. And it's not my fault. It's hers for pointing it out. 
and nagging. And it's all her stuff, not mine. Did I do that well? Yeah. Okay, good. I just want to be able to break that down for people, right? Yeah. So let's give some more examples about what repression looks like. I know for many, it's yelling. And I find this one of the most heartbreaking ones to deal with. So when they don't like what they're hearing, when they feel uncomfortable with their own feelings, they, they begin to yell. And that is a form of control. So if I don't like what I'm feeling and my anger can be more important than what you're planning on talking about, it helps me divert. It helps me help you ignore the situation. It helps just get away from the whole point to begin with. Right. So you're saying that the yelling is the diver- diversion tactic. Yes. And, and by the end of it, neither of us know what we're doing. Right. And all I've done is hurt the other person that I'm actually supposed to be caring about. Yeah. Whether it's my coworker mm-hmm. or my partner. Or my kid. Kids, my parent or whoever. Right. Yep. So they're going to feel terrible. And ultimately I am too. But I have to ignore what I feel. Mm-hmm. Unless it is that I do feel good about it because I've been successful in ignoring it. See, it still always comes back to what I want to ignore, right? Or how I want to be in control. Yeah. Because feelings often make us feel out of control. Mm-hmm. Well, how about the people who don't want to have to deal with their feelings so they make fun of other people who have feelings? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, you're so feely. And they actually pick on them for it. Yep. They might kind of try and use humor in it or be funny. Or, or be... just mean. You're oversensitive. Okay. There's that one too of just the outright meanness. You're on your period. You're being bitchy. It's this time of the month. Mm-hmm. Which again is another form of diversion. So let's just go back to making fun. They make fun of other people and how they feel so they don't have to talk about their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think too sometimes when someone asks them how they feel, they will just say something like, I don't know. Or I don't care. And brick wall them. Mm-hmm. Meaning that I don't know and I'm not going to try and figure it out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do anything to divert right now, but I'm brick walling you. How about the workaholic? Oh, the avoider? Yes. Okay. I know we're labeling things and and then there's there's many different examples. Yeah. Let's go back to avoiding for a minute because maybe someone didn't identify with the others and they just think I have a great work ethic. Right. But that work ethic is all for the purpose of not having to come home and deal with the emotions in the home. Right. With the relationships or with the children. Yeah. And I think some people too, I guess we have to say in here violence, Mm -hmm. where some people respond and feel everything, but only negativity and do it at lash out constantly. Mm -hmm. So the puncher, the throwing things, the... Throwing words or throwing actual things. Yep. Or actually busting things, including people's bodies. Yep. Or property. So I guess what I'm hearing in all of this, Kelly, is that when somebody suppresses something, there's always a consequence. And sometimes I think people who try to suppress their own emotions tend to think that they're in so much control that they actually don't see that there are any consequences. Mm -hmm. I don't notice that my children are growing up dysfunctional. 
I don't recognize that my wife and I have an unhealthy relationship. I don't recognize the real reason why I didn't get a promotion. Oh, I just had a client for that exact same story just on Saturday Mm -hmm. who um, actually was passed over for a promotion and then eventually was actually fired and didn't understand that it had to do with the way he can't process his own emotions and his own behaviors. Mm -hmm. And when the spirit guides actually brought it up and said it to him, he absolutely admitted it with a smile on his face and completely understood. And I said, geez, and the spirit guides are actually saying you should go back to human resources and apologize. And he sat there and he said, yeah, I think I should. Neat. Yeah. Like, I don't know that he will, but it was something certainly to bring him into, I'll say full disclosure to a complete stranger, what, what his behavior did in his own life for him. It created a reality he doesn't want. And I think that's what people need to hear. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's just go one step further, which I think is going to go actually into, into episode two or part two is it, the consequence is always a disconnection, right? So it's a disconnect literally as a being fired from work. The disconnect is from your relationships in every aspect of your life. Yeah. And and I think men need to hear if we're some of the shows towards this issue is that they then can go through the divorce and carry on the attack. Instead of understanding that a partner, male or female, may want out of this dysfunctional relationship to become healthier people. And instead of seeing it for such, they go back into their own ego, disconnect from most, that partner and the children again, only to say, and I'll make damn good and sure the legal system damages them. I'll make damn good and sure I take all of the money that I hurt her through the kids. They disconnect from the children to do that. And what we're trying to say here is disconnection is a huge cause of pain. Lifelong. So when the children don't want to talk to you anymore, as adults, some men just don't even understand that. And what we're trying to say to people is, these are the reasons why. Mm -hmm. Here's your why. And it goes right to disconnecting. And that disconnection, as we've said, repressing your feelings. Mm-hmm. And the disconnection can go as far as costing you your life. Yeah. Because when you don't know what you value in your life, hopefully being your relationships, then that's where when you lose so much, you can really think what's it all for or what's the point. So when we talk about suicide, damage to self, damage to men themselves, you disconnect from everyone and everything, which means you've lost a connection to your own self. Yeah. And I guess, you know, here's the point in the show, eh, Kelly, for people to sit there and go, well, then what the hell? This is the point where if this is you listening to it, and you're the one that's disconnected your own feelings, and you feel suicidal, then there is also your answer and your homework. And where life begins instead of where you think it's supposed to end. Mm -hmm. This is the beginning. And there's a toolkit for it. And it's a fun toolkit. The work isn't terrible. It's beautiful. Because it's all about connecting. It's about feeling wonderful feelings. Not just all negative feelings or hard, terrible ones. Even if your past was hard and terrible. 
Mm-hmm. Future emotions will be difficult. That's a guarantee in life. We all know that. But sitting in a vulnerable moment with a friend telling them how heartbroken you are allows you to see that your friend desires to connect to you, desires to care for you. That that saying about sharing the load or that you can't appreciate the light without the dark, I mean, sure, they can be cliche, but they can also be very, very true. When I think that what Dan from Everyman is trying to say through forming these groups for men, that just the fact that you sit in a group with other men and feel your feeling is the biggest piece. And that they're there not to judge it. They're not there to fix it. They're there just to say it's what you feel. And it might be the first time you've ever felt it, but hey, we're here for you. Mm -hmm. How about it's okay to not be okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we all as human beings have many, many moments in life where the feelings are not good, both male and female. That's that's just going to be what life is. So we're kind of hanging on a cliffhanger here, although you do know in part two, we're going into disconnection and reconnection. So hopefully you will stay with us. Hopefully you'll hit rewind and pause and play again in this episode to say, is that me? Is that one way I repress? Is that one way I've contributed to someone else's repression? And Kelly, how about I know somebody who's doing this to me and I'm not going to allow them to keep hurting me in this process. So instead of going back to this same partner or this same friend or whatever it is in your life, that you might be able to say, wow, they keep disconnecting from me. So why, why do I keep going back to them to be hurt? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go and express my feelings to somebody who will listen. Good. Good. So we'll leave it there. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at bysarlo.com. And stay tuned because we will be announcing part two and three in other episodes of Coffee with the Sarlos. Enjoy your Saturday.